Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com, IWork, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. And big thanks go out to Ace Andrews and the entire team there in Tampa Bay today as we broadcast live out of our remote studio in Tucson, Arizona today. As we've got a very special guest today on our show, we've got Rachel Cruz. That's right, the Rachel Cruz, the most famous daughter of Dave Ramsey, who's written an incredible book called Love Your Life, Not Theirs. And I got a copy of this book and I said, we have got to have Rachel on the show because you and I, every day, we always struggle with, you know, how you know, we're always comparing ourselves to the Joneses. I don't know why the Joneses get such high billing, but keeping up with the Joneses has been an American thing for a hundred years, maybe even longer. And why do we do it? What do we know about the Joneses? And why are we comparing ourselves to them? Well, Rachel has written an incredible book, Love Your Life, Not Theirs, that talks all about this. And it's from the perspective of the next generation, from a millennial. Rachel Cruz, welcome to I Work For Him. Thank you, Jim. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, I was just excited to hear from your heart. It's so nice to be able to hear from the next generation. It's nice to be able to get the perspective because your generation as a millennial looks at things differently, and yet you have grabbed onto this concept that your dad and Crown Financial Ministries have made famous this whole debt-free living, stop keeping up with the Joneses, and, and, and it's, it's just great to hear that the next generation gets it. But before we get to that conversation, here's a question about your faith. How have you noticed the Lord getting involved in the intimate details of your life recently? How have you noticed him getting in there in the weeds and saying, hey, Rachel, let me help you with this? Well, what I do, I feel like on a daily basis could be impossible without him. I mean, I look at, you know, from being a mom and a wife and juggling this job and travel and all of it. I mean, I don't know how I would be able to sustain without having that relationship. And so I look at my marriage um, and I see him working within that. I see, you know, with my daughter, she's 18 months old. So there's um, still the, the, the hopes and the dreams I have for her as I sit there, you know, and I lay her down in her crib at night and pray over her. I mean, I, I, I feel that within parenting and that peace uh, and such a chaotic part of life at times. Uh, and also my job. I mean, all the, the doors that are opening and, and things that are happening. I mean, I, I, it's definitely my, my mentality very much is a reap what you sow kind of thing. But there's that balance that, you know, you can work as hard as you want, but, but God's going to, you know, water, water what you've sown and, and for it to grow uh, and, and create to what it needs to be. I mean, I, I really believe it's such God's blessings. And so I see him in, in every intricate part of my life, and it's um, a pretty amazing thing. And so I'm so, so thankful for that. Well, and it is a, an amazing process being a parent. And you, your daughter's name is Amelia, right? Yes. 
Yes. All right. I got that out of the book, just so you know, so that shows that I actually read your book. But yeah, I, as <laughs> what what I loved about the book is how you shared, uh, you know, really your love story between you and Winston and your daughter as you were, I think you were writing the book, were you, was Amelia already born when you were writing the book, or was she was she not yet born when you were writing the book? Well, I did all the prelim work, so all the outlines and everything when I was pregnant, and then I had her and um, it took about a month, you know, to be with her, and then I was home for two months. Uh, I was home a total of three months on maternity leave, but sorry, the the second month of maternity leave, I started writing that book. So I wrote it on maternity leave, actually, with her. Wow. Well, that, wow. You, that's multitasking. That's some pretty impressive stuff. <laughs> so talk to me this. I mean, a lot of kids grow up in their household, and they hear their dad ranting and raving about a certain thing all their lives, and, and the last thing they want to do is get involved in something that their dad is involved in. Yet you have... Got you have really dedicated yourself to the same cause that your dad, Dave Ramsey, has dedicated to. How did that happen? Well, you know, I, I look back on you know my story as a Ramsey, and I think people assume that you know, growing up as Dave Ramsey's kid, that we like talked about you know money all the time, and we had mutual fund parties and budget <laughs> in the summer and things like that. Where I can say, thankfully, that was not the case. We were not like a money obsessed family by any means. Um, but mom and dad were so intentional with teaching us how money works, and so um, because of that, I think really when I went to college is when I realized the need for this message and the need for for my generation, you know, looking at the credit card debt they're racking up and student loan debt. So when I graduated from college, honestly, that that's what I wanted to do. I was like, I want to travel and and talk about this subject um, that that a lot of my peers don't seem to understand or, or have any concept of really. And that's not to put them down by any means. It's just no one's taught them. And so for the first um, yeah few years of working full time, I went to a ton of high schools and colleges and really focused on that younger generation. And my message has kind of grown with me now that you know I'm married and have a kid and um and i'm you know getting all that kind of life of experience my my message has grown with me for sure but it, it is still the heart for you know the my generation and i think that the the principles i talk about they're biblical common sense so they're going to work if you're 75 and they're going to work if you're 15 no matter who you are what age you are these work uh, but i think because of my age um, I definitely skew uh, a younger audience than my dad, so that's that's always fun, though. So it's um, so it's really been great. I mean, I look and see what you know. I feel like God completely paved this way, and it's step by step. It wasn't an overnight, you know, lightning boom, and here I am. It's it's been not only a lot of hard work, but a lot of intentionality of of really growing passionate about this message, and really you know the steps I'm taking to get it uh, more out and for other people to hear. Oh, that's fantastic. Now, Rachel, we're going to head into a break. Why don't you tell people how they can get a copy of your book, Love Your Life, Not Theirs, Seven Money Habits for Living the Life You Want. Tell people, where they, where can they get a copy? Any major bookstore across America or at rachelcruz.com. Oh, rachelcruz.com. And, and Rachel, you don't spell Rachel the way a lot of people spell it, which is why I was like, well, is it Rachel? Is it so? But it's R-A-C-H-E-L-C-R-U-Z-E. Dot com, rachelcruz.com, correct? correct? All right, all right yes. very good. Rachelcruz.com. We're talking about this book because everybody needs to know that trying to keep up with the Joneses is a big loser. Rachel, welcome back to I Work For Him. Yeah, thank you, Jim. Thanks for having me back on. You know, it, it is, it's a funny conversation when people are like, what do you mean keeping up with the Joneses? Uh, but, you know, in, in Minnesota, that'd be the, it'd be lots of different names. I grew up in Minnesota. They, you know, the Andersons and the, and the Johnsons were more popular. Yet down some, some parts of the country, it might be some other name. But there, everybody understands the concepts that you are 
just trying to keep up with your neighbor. And yet, you know, what I love, one of the jokes that uh, as you learn this is, okay, the, the Joneses, they have beautiful cars and a beautiful house and they have all kinds of beautiful stuff. What you don't know about is how much debt they're in to get that. <laughs> right. That's right. The Joneses are broke. Statistically yeah, the Joneses speaking, are broke. Yeah. And, and what's hard today, you know, I look back and I'm like, you know, 15, 10 years ago, you actually had to see the Joneses in person to keep up with them, right? You actually, they had to be your neighbor or you had to see them at church. You had to actually see them. And now, thanks to social media, we carry them around in our back pockets on our phones. And they, they follow us everywhere, it seems like. And, and what's hard is keeping up with that lifestyle, and especially, you know, for, for those of us that are on social media, you know, we all are guilty of this, but it's true, is that social media is everyone's highlight reel. It's the best <laughs> part of everyone's life. And so you see the vacations and the new cars and the redone kitchens and the great food that they're eating at the restaurant. You know, like you, you see all the best parts of their life. And so when you try to keep up with that, you're really just keeping up with make-believe because life is not always that great, but yet we don't see the other side of it. Well, and what I loved about your book is how you shared that you and Winston, your husband, were dedicated to this, to living debt-free right from the beginning, right from the beginning of your marriage. Now, how many years have you guys been married now? Uh, it'll be seven in December, so almost seven years. Okay. So at these seven years, what I loved is that you, <laughs> you talked in your book how you kind of struggled through this. And as any couple does when they get married, learning to share your money, learning to share your stuff, learning to spend money together is a major effort. What, what I loved about your book was your transparency that you just said, okay, and I'm sure that you asked Winston's permission before you did all that. But what I love was you said, okay, well, here's where we struggled. And here's where they struggled. And he wanted a new set of golf clubs. And I wanted to go shopping. And I, in fact, one day I went shopping in New York City. And I spent too much money. And I came home. And I felt bad. And I mean, I, I, I loved that. Because you lived out your struggles right there in front of everybody to read. So this book, when you looked at writing it, you know, your dad's already written a bunch of books like this. There's lots of books out there. What? Why did you think that the Rachel Cruz perspective was one that the world needed to hear? Well, as I've been traveling the country and speaking on this topic of money, I kept seeing the same theme bubble up to the surface. And that I believe more than ever in our world today that we are letting other people's lives, other people's lifestyles, other people's expectations not only dictate how we're handling our money, but ultimately how we're living our lives. And and because of that, this comparison battle is, I think, more real than ever. And I really believe that comparison not only steals our joy, but it steals our paychecks as well. And so I thought, okay, if I can go through the lens of looking at money and money habits, creating good money habits through this lens of comparison, you know, I think this is something I would want to read, um, something I need, even though I'm the money expert, you know, I still, I still need this this information and, and encouragement. And so I'm like, I, I really do believe other people need this as well. And so I think it really hit a nerve um, looking at this idea of money through the lens of comparison and not just the lens of comparison, but, but also these money habits, because we all have money habits, whether they're good or whether they're bad. Some, some people don't even know what their money habits are, but we all have them. But if you can put good money habits in place, like quitting the comparisons, steering clear of debt, making a plan for your money, those kind of things, it really sets you up to live the life that you want, ultimately the life you feel like God is calling you to live. And so, you know, these money habits are so, so crucial. But, again, all through the, the lens and the perspective of our world today of comparison living. So it was a, a really fun book to write. It was a book that, um, you know, I, I felt like really, really was needed and 
in our world today. And again, I think it can hit all, all the gamut of age, but I think millennials are, are very much more magnetized to this type of topic. All right, so why don't you just share for, with the audience, we're, we're talking today with Rachel Cruz. She's written this book, Love Your Life, Not Theirs, Seven Money Habits for Living the Life You Want. And yes, if you're going, hey, is it that Rachel Cruz? Yes, it is. Dave Ramsey's daughter, Rachel Cruz, written this book, Love Your Life, Not Theirs. Rachel, this comparison trap, how did the comparison trap trap you and Winston early on in your marriage? Uh, well, I think in many ways. I mean, uh, Winston and I got married very young, and I talk about this in the book, but I remember moving into our home, and we had basically no furniture. I think we had, we had our bedroom suit, we had a couch and a kitchen table, but we really didn't have a lot of furniture. And I remember uh, being, we had moved to Nashville, we had been here for about two weeks, and this couple was like, hey, we'd love to bring dinner over, um, you know, hang out for a night. And Winston told me that that's what he had planned. And I, and I remember just kind of freaking out. And I was like, oh, my gosh, no, let's go out to eat. Like, let's go to their house. Like, they don't need to come here. Because I was embarrassed of, like, we have nothing. And because we're going to live debt-free, like, we're not going to go to the furniture store and do 90 days same as cash on a sofa. You know, we're really going to save up and pay for things that we want. And so um, it took a while. I was very, honestly, very, very insecure about it. And I remember when the couple came over, I was, like, apologetic. I was like, sorry, we just moved in. You know, we don't have a lot of stuff right now. And I remember they were like, oh, we don't care. You're fine. Like, And they genuinely didn't. And so it's amazing, you know, the expectations we put on ourselves and our lifestyles that we think other people are looking and wanting. Uh, I think we're putting it on ourselves. I don't think people really care as much as we think they do. Uh, and so I had to learn those kind of lessons early on. But it was good. It was good for me. Um, but yeah, there's, gosh, so so many traps that we can fall into from vacations uh, to houses to all of it. So let me ask this question, because what my wife, Martha, and I have found in our own marriage, and we're a little bit older than you guys, obviously, but is that surrounding yourself with friends that are like-minded is really important. And, and really, so we we surround ourselves with friends from church in a small group of some sort that really, they wanted to live the same lifestyle as we wanted to live conservatively, as debt-free as possible. And for us, it was debt-free. And how hard was that for you and Winston to find people that were like-minded like you guys that wanted the same things so that you guys could mutually encourage each other? Well, I think for us personally, I mean, I think because the the nature of my job, I'm definitely not going to be one of those friends that's like, open your wallet, let me see if you have a credit card in there. You know, <laughs> I, I don't I don't pry into into their their lifestyles, um, but I think that we naturally gravitate towards people that are like us. And I think by that meaning, you know, we, we value the same kind of things overall. Um, we're all different in our own ways. So I, I don't ask if they paid for the airline tickets on a credit card or not. You know, I don't. Um, but, but we don't naturally have very extravagant friends, uh, I think, because we're not very extravagant. Uh, so I think we naturally gravitate towards those kind of people. Um, so I think it, it, overall our, our values are very, very similar. And I'm thankful we have friends, gosh, that we've been friends with since college, really. And so we have um, a very, very good relationships with those people. And and it's hard, you know, in our world today, I think people listening get this, like, if you're working and you have kids and a family and, a you know, hobbies, I mean, it, to have time for friendship in my season of life is very limited. Um, so the friendships we have, I, I hold very close and dear. Yeah, no, that's true. When you've got little kids, you're newlyweds, you're working all the time. I mean, it is absolutely tough to have a lot of free time, but it, you find people in that same stage of life that are that understand and appreciate how to spend money the way you guys are spending money. It, at least it's, in, it's not a drain on you. You're not constantly worrying about it. That, that's always fun. 
your book is really countercultural. I mean, it really, it flies in the face of almost everything culture today. You know, your friends that are millennials that you get, you've been out of college for a number of years already, they're, they're still buried in sixty, seventy thousand $70,000 in debt, but they're living in houses trying to keep up with their parents. They're trying to drive nice cars. As countercultural, how many people have you heard from going, Rachel, that's impossible. You can't <laughs> live your life that way. A handful, for sure. It's funny, I'll do some interviews about the book, and they're like, okay, so you really think that you don't have to have a car payment? Like, you really believe that? You think it's possible? And I'm like, yes, I do. Um, But I think for the majority of people, it's a breath of fresh air, because I think we're a culture that's exhausted. We're exhausted of carrying around the payments, you know, around our necks month to month. Scripture says the borrower is slaves to the lender, and slaves don't have choices. Slaves don't have options, and, and it is exhausting carrying the burden of debt around. And so I think when someone speaks truth to say that you don't have to be a slave to the lender, you don't have to carry around, you know, this, this idea that debt has to be a part of your life. You really can ultimately live debt-free. I think for people that are in it and they're paying the payments month in and month out, and they feel like something could be different. I think it, I, I really believe it's a, fre- a breath of fresh air for them. They, they're longing for this truth, and being able to give them that direction is um, is pretty inspiring. I love it. Well, there's so many things in this book that I believe will make it a bestseller because it is written from the perspective of a millennial who's just trying to do things differently than the previous generations. Rachel, what I what I loved about this book is that you are so countercultural. You really do challenge today's norms, and and you take what you learned, what you grew up with, what you saw your parents struggle through, and put it into writing and perspective from somebody in their 20s and their early 30s. How do you want this book to be impacting people's lives? Well, I really hope that it gives them the inspiration and the instruction of how to take their money, the subject in life that can be so hopeless for so many people, and give them hope. And that's really ultimately what I want. I want this to to be a book where people... um, get the feeling that they can take control of their money instead of their money controlling them. And, yeah, so I think that that's, that's it, finding freedom in the subject. And I'm excited, Jim, to tell you that it is a bestseller. Uh, it hit number one and um, really, really excited. So my hope for that is that, gosh, that there's a lot of people uh, getting control of their money is what those numbers show me. Well, that's fantastic. I didn't know that yet. I hadn't gotten that email, so I apologize. I didn't know that. Congratulations. I know. You were so nice to say, you know, I hope it is, and I hoped it was too. So, yeah, we got to announce that news, so we were excited. Now, that is very exciting. Okay, so a couple, a couple of questions, and I want to get personal with you. This, you included your faith in this book. And, and this show, what I work for him is all about is helping people just to really learn how to incorporate everything about their faith in every part of their lives, and especially into their work. So you've written, and you wrote that bo- this book, Love Your Life, Not Theirs, from that perspective. Hey, my faith impacts everything that I do, including how I handle my money. How much pushback did you get from the publishers on doing that as they knew that it was going to go out in the general market and not everybody wants to hear about Jesus? Well, we actually publish in-house. So that was our, our advantage. We had no pushback to the publisher because we are the publisher. Um, so for that, yeah, it was great that we just felt the freedom that we could write about it. But, you know, even if it was an outside publisher, if there was any pushback, then it's it's an absolute for me. I mean, these are God's ways of handling money. I, I package them a little different and uh, put a little bit different twist on it. But ultimately, that's what it is. It's it's God's ways of handling money, and it's from Proverbs. I mean, you open up Proverbs, and there, there it all is. You know, the, the rituals over the poor, the borrower's 
slaves to the lender. Know the state of your flocks and your herds. Uh, you know, in the house of the wise, there's stores of choice food and oil. A foolish man spends everything he makes, devours it all. And so it's all in there. Uh, and it's fun to be able to take a, a subject that anyone from any walk of life, any faith, has to deal with, which is money, right? We all have to deal with it on a day-to-day basis. And so That's true. Um, it, it's such a, a moment where I can say, wow, I can take this uh, into the secular world, quote-unquote, uh, but pepper it with, with what God says about money and the subject of not only my, my faith, but biblical application. And so uh, that's some of the best uh, news we get around here is that, you know, even dad is on the radio stations all across America that are mostly secular. Not a lot of Christian stations carry him. That's correct. Uh, and so because of that, though, it's, it's the best mail uh, or emails or Instagram comments, whatever it is that we get is, is comments around, hey, we started going to church, or even ultimately, you know, I found the Lord because of what you guys are doing. And so that's our um, the ultimate, ultimate goal uh, of, our, of, of our work here. We want to help people with money, but we ultimately want to lead them to the, to the feet of Christ, and that's what we get to do. And it's, uh, it's powerful, and it's exciting, and I'm so thankful that I get to be a part of it. We are talking with Rachel Cruz about her book, Love Your Life, Not Theirs. And this is a book that you can get on any, for, at any major book reseller, online or in a bookstore, which, yes, people still go to bookstores, but you can also get it online at rachelcruz.com. That's rachelcruz.com. Rachel, you, like I said at the beginning of the show, you made this book so transparent. I felt like after I got to the end, like I, I feel like I've been on... Uh, on vacation with you and Winston. I felt like I'd been living in your living room as you live without furniture. I, I felt like I knew Amelia. <laughs> awesome. I mean, I, I really felt like I knew you when I got to the end of the book. How did Winston, your husband, feel about being a central character in a book that he didn't get to write, but you did? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah, Winston, is he's very much... Um, Personality-wise, he's more of an introvert, does not care for the limelight, um, but so thankful to have such a supportive husband. But he doesn't—he doesn't even want to be on my Instagram. You know, he's like, "Don't put pictures of me on social media." Like he—he he so <laughs> wants to be in the background, which I appreciate about him. Um, so this, yeah, I, I peppered him in very much so because he's a big part of my story, and so I definitely highlighted every every time his name was mentioned in the book and all the stories. So he got to read over every of you know all of them and say, "Okay, that's good." That's great because he knows, you know, that this is he knows this is my passion, and he knows that you know our story hopefully will help other people, and so um, he he's for that. But yeah, it's funny he would. I don't think we'll ever write a book together. I don't think his face will be on the cover of any book anytime soon. If he's inside in the content on the black and white pages, he's probably he's okay with it. But yeah, he's um, he doesn't care for the limelight, so I I appreciate that about him. Well, but what's awesome is just how you shared that transparency. Now, now here's the next question. You wrote this book, like you said, you, you put the outline together while you were pregnant. Amelia was born, and you actually put the words down on paper. Now, let's just say you take this, you, you take this book 20 years from now, and Amelia, maybe say 16 years from now, and Amelia's about ready to go off to college. She reads this book. What do you want the next generation Amelia's generation to get from this book? What do you want them to see? What do you want your own kids to see about mom as she is in her late 20s and early 30s? I don't know how old you are, but I'm just guessing that you're in late 20s or yes, early 30s. Yep, you're okay. right. So what do you want Amelia to see about you and, and Winston or her mom and dad when she reads this book 15, 16 years from now? Oh my gosh, Jim, I've done hundreds of interviews and I don't think I've gotten this question before. So this is a good one. Um, I would say my, my hope for her would to would be to see a mom who was not perfect, 
but was intentional, um, hopefully with every part of her life, that whether it was the marriage between, you know, Amelia, or my, you know, Winston and me, her parents, uh, my relationship with her, uh, my relationship with, with other people, with my job even, um, was all very, very intentional. And it, it's, there's a lot of mistakes in there, but ultimately, um, your mistakes don't have to define you. And ultimately, living the life that she feels like God is calling her to, that would be my challenge to her, that don't don't take a cookie-colder mold, whether it's in the Ramsey family or beyond. You know, really do what you feel like God is calling you to do, and um, don't hold back from that. And so I, ho- I hope that's what she sees in the pages of this book. When will you start teaching Amelia a- a- about the biblical principles and how to handle money? Well, we say that you can teach kids as, as young as three years old about money. Uh, just little small things, you know, little chores around the house and, and pay them and show them that money comes from work, you know, these small kind of things. So, yeah, I think we'll start, you know, three or four years old, kind of start integrating these things. Um, I, I found the earlier you start, the better off you're going to be. So I'm going to take that approach with her. All right. My last question for you, I think we've got time for this, is, okay, you're, you're a mom, you're a wife, you're a mom. You're a daughter of Dave Ramsey. You've got notoriety. You've been op- uh, had the opportunities to travel across the country and speak. Now you've written books. Uh, you- you're doing radio interviews. How do you keep your priorities in- intact as you maintain your number one priority of-, of serving the Lord, number two priority of-, of, having a- of-, of being right alongside your husband, and number three priority your family, and everything else coming last? How do you keep all of that in, in place with everybody else pulling at you? Well, I've learned, my friend Christy Wright says this quote, and I love it. She said, you know, this idea of life balance, kind of doing it all, isn't about being 50-50. It's about being 100% present. And I know that there's going to be seasons in life that are going to be more work-heavy. There's going to be seasons of life that are more family-heavy. There's going to be seasons of life that, that create all different kinds of things. And so my, my hope and my prayer is that... Um, where I am presently, that I'm 100% there. So whether I'm with Amelia on the floor playing, that my phone is off, the TV's off, and I'm with her, I'm present. When Winston and I, we went out, we went out to lunch right before this interview, actually, and went to have sushi, and, and, I, and I put my phone in my purse, and I didn't look at my phone for an hour, and, and was with him, and, and enjoyed that time with him. So I think being present um, helps me um, really do it all. But at the end of the day, you know, if you strip everything away and, um, you know, and, and the job is, say the job is over and all that, that, I, that I'm with my family, I'm with God, and at the end of the day, I'm Rachel, I'm who God has created to me, me to be, and that's where I, I pray my identity stays day in and day out. Rachel Cruz, thanks so much for coming on I Work For Him today. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me on. You know, Martha, that was a great time with Rachel on the air, and it was so exciting to have her. I thought... We could spend this, the remainder of the show, just kind of reviewing the outline. Because when you get an author on the air and when you have a limited amount of time, you never get a chance to really cover everything their book has to say. So I thought we could go through those seven money habits, if you think that's okay, and really talk about what she said in the book, the meat of the book. I mean, this is a book, honestly, after we give away the one copy, literally 
this is you guys should get this book. It is really a great book, perfect for millennials. Well, I think that's the exciting thing about what you were saying, you know, that it's from her perspective with her husband, new into this thing called marriage and how do we do money together? I mean, she was raised in an environment that taught her a lot, but how does she make it her own with um, the adult, you know, as our kids say, the adulting part of it? And what does that really very look careful like? with that word. I, <laughs> but, I, is, but, that a, is that a word or is your daughter I'm, Sarah make other word? Oh, no. I, I've been busy adulting. Yeah. Buying a, a vacuum, you know, doing those things, buying pain to repair my car for the car, yeah, things adulting. like that. But I think that Ace, that's, do you ever use that word? Ace, have you ever used that word adulting? I'm busy doing adulting things. I, I mean, I've heard it. I don't use it because it sounds kind of silly. To I, be well, honest. It does sound silly. <laughs> like it's it's kind of like, you know, oh, you're saying you're adult. In other words, you're you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. So so why are you bragging about it? That's kind of my view on because that. It's, it's more of a hashtag. I'm just going <laughs> to yeah, say. It's it more is. of like a, hey, you know, I need to go wash my car. Hashtag adulting, you know, instead of. Or as I'd say, pound adulting. Because I don't get the whole hashtag. hashtag. And it's not a hashtag sign. It it's a, a hashtag, pound yeah. sign. Okay, or so let's sign. let's hit these let's hit these these points because there's okay. there's seven habits and they are all critical for any marriage on how to make money work or and really for any person who truly wants to glorify the Lord with how they handle their finances these seven habits are a must yes. they're an absolute must so we're going to give kind of the Gen X baby boomer angle on it well we're more Gen Xers <laughs> than we are baby boomers but well, yes we're I mean, definitely I, not millennials we are not millennials well that's because we're too old for that that's and how I that, can't that's say how that works, and I'm honey. not saying hashtag I'm just not going to say it okay Although so I just habit, said, all right, habit number habits. one quit the comparisons and this was this is something you know we've got that that favorite commercial I have that we've played it at many of our marriage retreats where the guy's riding around his lawnmower in his front yard and, and he's saying I, I can't do it anymore. I'm up to I'm up to my eyeballs in debt. I, somebody help me. But he's got a plastic smile on his face. That's right. He's and like, he's and he's got a brand new house. He's got a brand new car. He's got a country club membership. Blah blah blah. All that stuff. Riding and he's lawnmower. Like, the comparison trap is so dangerous. And it literally and and Rachel's whole point in this chapter in, in these first couple of chapters is Facebook, social media. Instagram and what's that uh, one that you love to go to? That's the artsy crafts. Pinterest. One. Pinterest. All these like it, it make you feel like I got to have what they have. I got to have my room look like it's just like Southern Living or Coastal Living magazine, which you get. You know, we want to make our townhouse look like that, except we don't live on the beach. But we could do it. But the point was, she goes, this comparison thing is dangerous. And what we don't know, and this is what we taught in Crown Ministries all those years ago, what we don't know is how much debt it took for those people to get that stuff. We don't know how miserable they are. What are the are things, they ever even home to enjoy yeah, it? What is the one thing we always said? We we're out riding around on Wave Runners on a Sunday afternoon. Oh, we would look at all these gorgeous homes on the water. On the intercoastal. And nobody was there enjoying them. They had rainbow play sets in the backyard and nobody on them. That is the most retarded thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Just so ridiculous. But that's part of the issue that we have today is that we do this comparison. thing. Oh, I want to be like everybody else. I just remind myself, it's great that the Lord has blessed some people. And there are some people that live in those homes and drive those cars and have those boats that are they are not in debt and they are handling their money well. I just remind myself that I don't want to pay their insurance or their property taxes. That helps me. That helps you a lot. So when we're okay. talking about these habits, these are habits that we want to incorporate right. into our so life. Stop the comparisons. 
Right. Stop comparing yourself That's to somebody else. Habit. Your life is different than theirs. And what you don't know is what you don't see behind the scenes. And, and just stop the comparisons. You and your neighbor are different people. They have different jobs. You have different backgrounds. And you don't know if they inherited a million dollars. That's exactly right. All right. So that's habit number one. Quit the comparisons. Mm-hmm. All right. Habit number two. And this was funny. It's three different chapters that uh, Rachel deals with this. And she goes, you know, I grew up in Dave Ramsey's house. I'm Dave Ramsey's daughter. <laughs> I've been hearing this stuff from the womb. You know, when I was born, my parents were just coming out of bankruptcy. This is what she says. And so we watched everything. Everything was cash. We were living in an apartment. We were trying to recoup. I mean, everything. She goes, so debt, debt is a four-letter word in our household. I mean, it's like a swear word. It's worse than the F word. She didn't say that, but that's what she was talking about. She's like, this is just horrible. It's horrible. So debt, she just goes through. She spends three chapters talking about how horrible debt is. Yeah, so the habit is to steer clear of debt and right. to say, I just am going to do all that I can to avoid even getting into that pitfall. And I think if you if you are smart enough and young enough to be able to start off that way, what an amazing future you have ahead of you. Because one of the verses that we learned very early on when we started looking at bi- uh, money from a biblical perspective was how... Um, we are slaves to the lender. And, and, and so the debt thing, the debt is a debt. And just understanding what debt is for. Debt is to enslave you. If you have debt, whether you have car debt or credit card debt or house debt, you are stuck. You don't get to make other choices because your first choice has to be to pay down that debt. So how do you deal with that? They talk about the debt snowball, which we, anybody that's familiar with Dave Ramsey knows about the debt snowball. You know, you start paying off your smallest balance then you use that payment to pay off the next smallest balance and you end, add them and compound them and compound them and compound them. I mean, this is a it's a huge deal. But getting rid of your debt takes super duper intentionality. I mean, it takes a a wholehearted effort and it takes a husband and wife being on the same team. That's exactly what I was going to say. If you're um, married, then you need to make it uh, the way of life to together encourage each other. Because when one person is struggling, the other one can be strong and vice versa. So you need that when you're dealing with debt. Or verse visa, whatever you want to say. Verse (laughs) visa. All right. But living a life without debt, I mean, literally her first thing was get out of every debt except for your home. And then really she goes later on in in the book, she goes about talks about, hey, maybe you could start saving money like a fiend and buy a home for cash and then upgrade your home down the road. But I mean, just the whole idea is when you have debt, you lose choices. I mean, that's one of the things when we're talking with couples, honey, we're talking about, hey, if you're a young couple and you guys want to have kids down the road and the potential is that you want to have maybe stay home with the kid when it's being raised, you want to not have any debt. Right. You want to eliminate debt You don't want that making the choice for you. Right. So you're making the choices that lead up to that, but we don't see it that way. Culture doesn't talk about it that way. So being really honest and saying the decisions we make today affect our future. Yeah, it's debt is just one of those things. And we made those mistakes. You know, we did really good. We, we got out of college without any debt. We got married. Then we bought a car. It's just, I know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but it was 2.9% interest rate 30 years ago. It was such a great deal, and I didn't really like my car, and I want a front-wheel drive for the snow, blah, 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 blah. So we bought a car. That was dumb, because then we wanted to buy a house, and we couldn't qualify for our home because we had a car loan, because it eked into our debt. We get rid of our car debt. We Then after we got into all that, then we decided the credit card debt would be okay. 
trying to keep up with the Joneses. I mean, that's just, it just and, and justifying it in the name of new business. Yeah, and, we had and because I, we were you in know, new business. Just learning those things the hard way and being able to speak to other people. Really think twice. Do you really need X? Is that really going to be the answer to everything? Well, and, more than likely to nothing. <laughs> right, and surrounding yourself with friends, friends that have the same mindset. I mean, that's mm-hmm. really the key is having friends that are totally sold out to living without debt and living within a budget. Because that's really habit number three. So one was quit the comparisons. Two is steer clear of debt. Three, make a plan for your money. It's called budgeting. Mm-hmm. And that is not a four-letter word. That is a gift from God. God wants us to know where our money is going. You got to be knowing where your money's going. That's an Andy Stanley line. Yes, it's a good one. And it's really like the boundaries we like to have in our life where we say, we know this is how far we can go within the comfort of what we are currently bringing in and having those agreements about what that is going to be okay to spend money on. And so really setting aside a budget, I mean, you really, you know what you have to spend, but you also know the debt you want to get rid of. So having a budget to get rid of the debt and then a budget that will allow you to start saving money after you've gotten rid of the debt. Mm-hmm. It's, but that's tough. Everybody's got to make compromises. There's no longer, well, if you spend a hundred bucks, I get to spend a hundred bucks. You, you say, okay, we have a hundred bucks to spend. Right. And, and sometimes you allow it to be just freedom spending. Rachel just jokes all through the book how she's just got, she loves to spend more than safe. <laughs> you know what? It's good to be honest about how you are wired because then you can deal with it better as a spouse um, with each other to remind each other because this can be a very sensitive subject and one that causes a lot of emotion. Well, and she talks about the conversation that she and her husband Winston have uh, over this stuff and how they've really had to work through it. And then they had a daughter named Amelia and uh, she uh, added a whole nother dynamic into the whole family. We're talking about Rachel Cruz. She wrote his book, Love Your Life, Not Theirs. And we got to talk to Rachel the first half of the show today. And we're just kind of recapping the seven money habits for living the life that you want. Live your life, not theirs. Okay, so the first habit was quit the comparison. Second one, steer clear debt. Third one, make a plan for your money, which is budgeting. We come back from the break. Go ahead. Well, I just think that she talks about telling your money what to do. So many times we feel like we don't have choices and making sure that we're the ones that are controlling that and that you haven't put yourself in a position where you're having to, you don't have a choice. Well, and that's really, I mean, it's called discipline and it's Mm -hmm. tough, but you know, it's, you know, today we get it. 30 years ago when we were newlyweds, this was a tough deal. We were trying to figure out how to spend money and it just, it just, it makes a big difference. All right, listen to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg, as we're talking today about Rachel Cruz's latest book, Love Your Life, Not Theirs. If you're just tuning in right now, you had an opportunity today to hear Rachel right here on the show during the first half of the show. And Martha and I just wanted to really summarize, talk about the seven money habits that are in the book. This is an excellent book. You should get a copy. Uh, it, it really... It really summarizes what the Bible has to say about how we should be handling money in our in our lives, whether you're married or single, how you should be handling it. And it's it was really good. I really enjoyed it. And it was written from the perspective of a millennial. So if you're mom or dad listening today, get a copy of this for your kids for Christmas. Love your life, not theirs. Good Rachel Cruz. Stuffer. Yeah. Well, just big fat stocking, but yes, okay. Yeah. All right. So we got the first three habits. Quit the comparisons. Stop comparing yourself to other people. Steer clear of debt. Make a plan for your money. It's called a budget. Third, fourth habit, talk about money even when it's hard. The biggest thing Rachel says in here is marry your money. When you get married, none of this ridiculous, I've got a, I've got my money, she's got her money. We just pay our bills separately. Baloney! You're one. God created you to be one. When you get married, you became one. 
And if you don't have your money together, how do you possibly budget and control your spending? Marry your money and then just talk about it. Schedule conversations to talk about this stuff. Yeah, what a great idea. And if you if this is something you've really struggled with, read that chapter for it's, sure. It's a great one. So habit number five, save it, save like you mean it. And this is one of those things where after Rachel says you get out of debt, now you start saving towards having your emergency fund, which is six months of net income. That's right. Six months of your net income for you to have in case something happens, whether it be something in the industry you work in or in your family, where you need to be able to have that set aside so that you can't, you can deal with whatever the issue might be rather than worrying about the money. And then she talks about how you can save for how you need to start saving ridiculous amounts of money towards retirement. Uh, again, as a millennial, she understands she's not going to get Social Security. It's not likely we'll get Social Security, but the millennials, not likely it's there at all or that there's a little bit left. But start the biggest savings goal of your life is so that you can keep on living after you're done working and doing your second stage of ministry stuff. So that's habit number five. Save like you mean it. So uh, number six, think before you spend. And this is that communication thing. Don't just go wandering through a mall. Rachel just talks about how I don't I don't go window shopping anymore. Hmm. It's just not healthy for me. And, and I make sure that we set a budget before we go somewhere and we know we got to spend and we shop creatively. Yeah, that is such a great idea. Um, I actually went shopping with a friend with our girls one time where they actually bought a, like a mall gift card and that was how much. So they went in knowing this is how much we're going to allow ourselves to spend today. And they actually made the effort to do it through a gift card so that they knew that's all there was. I thought that was great. That was a great idea. We should do that. Oh, we just don't go to the malls anymore. Yeah, we did walk through a mall a couple weeks ago. We're like, holy smokes, this is expensive in here. All right, the last. So think before you spend the last habit, habit number seven, give a little until you can give a lot. About living a life of generosity, becoming developing a lifestyle of giving, how to give and, and what you should give. So it starts with tithing. I mean, and Martha and I will tell you that it's the only formula, math formula in the universe that doesn't make sense, but it works every time. 100% minus 10% equals 100% of what you'll need. That's what God put together as a formula. So start off with tithing, but learn to live generously. Generous people are the most amazing, wonderful people to be around. That's right. And knowing that you're able to uh, enjoy it and give it to the Lord at the same time is such a great gift. All right. Get a copy of Rachel Cruz's book, Love Your Life, Not Theirs, Seven Money Habits for Living the Life You Want.